我们也真的诚挚的邀请大家哈，成为我们的一份子。All right, so we just ask a Colin in front. 好，我们现在请 Colin。All right. Good afternoon. 大家下午午安。Yes, Ms. Collins, one of the pastors here as well. 那我呢也是这个教会的主要牧师。And really quick before we get into the sermon,、uh, it's good to see all of you guys here. 真的很开心看到你们哈，今天下午。Uh, even though I know people are kind of being careful and cautious in light of the virus, but、uh, it's still good to gather together as the church and to worship together. 现在这样疫情这么严重哦，但是能够聚集在一起敬拜，真的也是很棒的事。And so,、uh, real quick, before we jump into the sermon, two things I want to kind of bring to our attention. 那在我们讲到之前呢，有两件事情我要先这个提出来一下。The first thing is, if you have a chance and you see either Eping or Patty, Patty, raise your hand. Where's she at? 好，如果说你们看到我叫一平，后面那个举手的叫 Patty， 就是 just tell them thank you. 哎，请谢谢我们。Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Because every week, you guys, they have the the task of translating、uh, when I preach or if Rich preaches or someone else. They have the task of translating that in Chinese, and it's a big deal to us. You know, 知道每一周呢，这个讲道都要翻译成这个中文哈。对对，这个他来说呢是很大的一件事哈。We want to be bilingual not because it's cool, but because we believe that someone hearing the gospel in their mother tongue is very very important. 那我们要成为一个双语的教会呢，是因为不是因为它很酷哈，而是因为真的有些这个人。And so, yeah, if you have a chance, tell them thank you. They do an amazing job every single week. 请你们每一天每一周来说跟我们说谢谢。All right. The second thing is, last week we had a time when we prayed and worshipped together. How many of you guys were here for that? 好，上周有在这里聚会，这个祷告敬拜的。All right, cool. Hey, it was a it was a great time. I hope you guys、uh, felt blessed by the time. I feel like it was a bonding time as well for us as a church and the church here, Shindaoi. 上周真的很棒哈。那我们希望呢是一个更好的连接，然后甚至跟行道会可以连接的一个时间。But but last week something、uh, something happened that we want to just address really briefly and really quickly because some of you guys had questions about it. 那在上周有一些事情发生，有几个人有问几个问题哈，所以我想要稍微讨论一下。Uh, last week we had a time to pray, and, and I think at the front there's a prayer, and someone actually was singing or praying in tongues, and so some of you asked us, hey, what do you guys believe about you know the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and what does that look like here at City Life Church? 那就是有一段时间我们在祷告的时候呢，就有人在上面就开始讲方言了，那就有人就问了，哎，你们到底是相信什么啊？你觉得这个被圣灵充满又什么样子啊？ And so, just to just to just to make it real basic, if you have a lot more questions about what we believe about the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit, you can look on our website, or we also have a PDF that we put together that we can give you, or you can come to those covenant classes and ask any question you want. 如果说你真的有问题的话呢，请进到我们这个教会的网站，我们甚至也有这个呃投影片哦，都做好了，让你们知道我们所相信的这个是什么。但是呢，也欢迎你在那三周的这个会员课程里面来问我们。But City Life Community Church, we、uh, biblically we affirm the continuation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and that they are accessible and available to every believer today. 城市之光教会，其实我们真的非常相信合乎圣经原则的这样子的一个恩赐，圣灵的动工在我们当中，而且它是能够做到。And yet at the same time, we believe that the Bible also gives us guidelines and ways to express those gifts in the body. 圣经也给我们一个指引，让我们能够透过主内肢体来这个表示表现出来。And so, while what happened last week wouldn't be the same conviction as City Light Church, we believe if the tongue is ever shared publicly, there needs to be an interpretation, 
That's my fault. I didn't get up and ask if there's an interpretation, so nothing happened in that moment. And if this is your first time here or you don't know Jesus, just kind of just track with me for a second. We're about to get in the word. Uh, but the big picture is, is uh, you can find out more about what we believe biblically uh, about those issues, but we want to be a church that work with other like-minded churches for the sake of reaching the lost. So, so yeah, guys, there, there are situations when you work with other people who love Jesus that they might believe things a little bit differently than you do. And as long as those things don't undermine the authority of Scripture or take away from the clarity of the gospel, we will work together. Alright, so that's where we're at. If you have more questions, like I said, talk to us, come to those classes, and you can find out more about what we believe. Alright, that's not how I imagined starting the sermon off this week. But as leadership, we want to be transparent with you all. Alright, so this week we're in the book of Mark, chapter 2, verses 18 through 22, if you guys have your Bibles. Yes, but before we get there, we're actually going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's going to be up here on the screen for you guys. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says this, In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give light to the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Alright, so what Mark is doing in the Gospel of Mark is, is exactly what Paul just read there. He is showing us the glory of God in the person and work of Jesus. And, and so as you read through Mark, I've been impressed every time I get in the book of Mark. It's like Mark is, is constantly pushing Jesus to the front. His glory, his compassion, I mean his, his power, because he wants people to see the glory of God. And here's the truth that Paul says is that the enemy of our faith, he's not trying to hide from you or from me how to get healthy, how to get wealthy, how to live your best life now. That's not what he's trying to hide from you. And 
That if you and I want to seek after those things, the devil is more than happy for us to live after those things because we are still at the center of our universe when we live after those things. But when we start to talk about the glory of God, specifically in the person and work of Jesus, that's when this that's when Satan actively and aggressively is trying to blind our eyes from seeing who he is. And in the story that we have this afternoon found in the Gospel of Mark, one of the primary ways, you guys, that the devil blinds our eyes from seeing Jesus is through what we call religion. And, and religion in its most basic sense, the definition is this I do these things for you, God, therefore you owe me. And we encounter a really interesting story in, the, in today's scripture because all these people are beginning to criticize Jesus, ask questions about Jesus' ministry. And I'm not sure how you take criticism personally or how you take being judged or people having certain opinions about you. I mean, anybody love being criticized here? Uh, you know, people used to say there's only two things you can never talk about, religion and politics. But now, let's just be honest, it's really hard to talk about anything because we are so offended by everything that someone says about us, and it's hard to talk honestly about anything because everybody gets offended or we're critical, right? And it's really important as disciples of Jesus to see how Jesus responds to criticism and judgment coming towards him. Because over the last few weeks we've dealt with these questions. Why do you do this this way, Jesus? Why do you do this and you don't do this? We've dealt with these, these questions and these criticisms. And what's really hard is as you read the gospel, these groups of people are asking Jesus these questions. And there's different kinds of people in this group. Uh, one group we talked about were the Pharisees and the scribes, and these are the people who thought they knew everything, and these are the people who thought because of their good lives, God was going to accept them. But then the other group of people, we see they're actively seeking Jesus, and they have these, these questions. They're saying, Jesus, why do you do it this way? I'm, I'm confused because everybody else says this way, but you're doing it this way. And they're really seeking after Jesus. And if you're here this afternoon and you're someone who has questions or you have doubts, but you really want to know who God is and you really want to know Jesus, then you should be welcomed in the church. We welcome you. Because 
God is not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your doubts. But if you're someone who thinks you have it all together, that God owes you something, and you know it all, I'm just going to warn you, Jesus is going to confront you. He's going to rebuke you. One of the most, I think one of the best tools someone ever taught me is in discipleship, whenever you're dealing with people, one of the most important things to discern about a person's heart is, is this action or this act coming from a place of ignorance or rebellion. Okay, so in discipleship, when you're dealing with people, it's very important to... Um, it's important to discern, is this, is this coming from a heart of ignorance, like they don't know, or rebellion? And so when Jesus deals with people, you'll see he'll speak to people who are outright rebelling against the gospel, and he'll speak one way to people who actually just don't know, but they want to know. And so this is what the gospel does. And, and the gospel is like this two-edged sword. Someone says this, the gospel afflicts the comfortable, but comforts the afflicted. That means that the gospel is both something that gives us comfort if we are convicted by our sin, but it also, if we are stuck in hardness and, and pride, it brings conviction. Alright, that was a little bit of a long introduction, but let's let's stand up for the reading of God's word this afternoon. Well, read first in English and second in Chinese. Let's read this together. One, two, three. Now, now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. People came and asked him. Why do John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples fast? But your disciples do not fast. Jesus said to them, The wedding guests cannot fast while the groom is with them, can they? As long as they have the groom with them, they cannot fast. But the time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast on that day. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new patch pulls away from the old cloth, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is lost as well as the wine, uh, as well as the skins. No new wine is put into fresh wineskins. Yesu回答,新郎跟宾客在一起的时候,宾客怎能进食呢? 也没有人会把新酒装在旧皮袋里。如果这样，酒就会把皮袋撑破，酒和皮袋都损坏了，新酒总该装在新皮袋里。
Alright, before you guys sit down, let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your word. That your word has power. Jesus, you tell us that we can search the scriptures and we can find you, we can see you. So by the power of you, Holy Spirit, would you show us the glory of Jesus this afternoon? In the name we pray. Say together, Amen. Amen. All right, this afternoon we're going to talk a little bit about how Jesus responds to criticism. In verse 18, if you look at your Bibles, it says that there are these people that were coming to Jesus and they asked him, you know, why do Pharisees and the scribes fast and their disciples and even John the Baptist's disciples, but why do you not fast? Uh, this would be a very similar question to maybe someone asking you or asking me, you know, hey, I, I see this other church, their devotion to God looks this way. Why do you guys do it this way? Or, or maybe it's like someone coming up to you and saying, hey, why do you drink this as a Christian, but then these other people say you shouldn't drink this. Why do you do that? And we're going to talk about new wine this afternoon. Right? And, the, and the point is this, is that we as people, we love to take these outward, these outward signs of devotion, and we like to begin to compare with other people and see who's better. And so these people come and they say, hey, why do you fast? Or why, I'm sorry, why do you not fast? Like these other people. If you look at the Old Testament, God only required His people to fast one time the whole year. It was on the Day of Atonement. We've talked about that before. It's a really significant day, but there's only required to fast one time a year. But at this point in time, they had these other laws that they put around the law, and so now they said if you're really, really spiritual, you should fast twice a week. And so when you look at the rest of the Gospels, you'll, you'll see these Pharisees and they'll, and they'll say, I'm glad I'm not like these people because I fast twice a week, I tithe. It all comes from this belief that we just talked about. Now fasting in the Bible, you guys, God gave his people fasting, and it was supposed to be something that represents sorrow and repentance. And so it's supposed to be something where we're broken over our sin and we, we enter into a time of fasting because it equals our sorrow over our sin. 
就是在进食的时候，我们心里面呢，因为所做的这个事情做错了，然后心碎，然后感到一个这个悲伤。As you look at these guys in the in the Bible, you have these Pharisees who are taking something that is supposed to be something that is meant for repentance and for sorrow. And they're using it as a way to boost their ego and to create pride over other people. And I wonder how many times do we do that as Christians? We take these gifts that God has given us, and instead of using it to bring glory to God, we we use it to bring glory to ourselves or to try to put ourselves above other people or other churches. I don't know how many times we have done this. We use the gifts that God has given us, not to glorify God, but to make ourselves look better. Yeah, I mean, out of all the things that you're going to use to to make yourself better than other people, I mean, out of all the things that you're going to use to to make yourself better than other people. I don't know if I would have personally chosen fasting. That I don't know. If I want to make him feel better, I would choose to show my good. But this is what they did. They want to show their devotion to God, and they did it this way. That this is what the Pharisees did. They want to show their devotion to God, and they did it this way. And so these people are asking Jesus, "Listen, the real spiritual, mature people—they're doing it this way. Why are you the Son of God?" Said you have the kingdom. Why do you not do it that way? They asked Jesus, "Those mature, very spiritual people, they are doing this. But you say you are the Son of God. But you do not do the same thing." And you guys remember the church that Mark is writing this book to? You remember the church that Mark is writing this book to? You remember the church that Mark is writing this book to? You remember the church that Mark is writing this book to? You remember the church that Mark is writing this book to? You remember the church that Mark is writing this book to? In the Roman Empire for their faith in Christ. And I think that they can really empathize with the experience that Jesus is having here because it's like no one understands Jesus. The the legal, the the religious people don't understand Jesus. The people that are just living in their sin don't understand Jesus. And in the same way, the church that Mark is writing to in the Roman Empire—I don't know if you guys knew this—but Christians were actually called atheists. That 当时呢，马可写给这个被逼迫的教会呢，他们是说他们是呃无信神、无神论、无神论者。Because the Romans had all these gods that they worshipped, and when they saw Christianity, they said, "Wait, wait a second! You worship one God, three persons. You're an atheist." And so they had people saying, "Hey, you don't fit our system. You're atheists." Yeah, like you don't fit into our worldview. We don't understand you because you know you're atheist. Yeah. And then on the other side, you had the Jewish people who still persecuted Christians because they thought they were blaspheming against God. 但是又另外一边呢，这些犹太人他们呢开始来做这个呃这个逼逼迫哈，受逼迫。And it's because, listen, what what this all tells us is this is what the gospel does. It doesn't fit into any worldview. It doesn't fit into pre-existing culture. It doesn't fit into those things. It is over and above all of those things. We know that the gospel actually does not fit into those things. It is over and above all of those things. We know that the gospel actually does not fit into those things. It is over and above all of those things. 
And so this is what Jesus is going to say. This is how he's going to respond to their questions, okay? Verse 19, he says, The wedding guests cannot fast while the groom is with them, can they? Could you imagine, like, it's your wedding if you're, you know, if the bride or your groom or your groomsman or your bridesmaid said, Oh, sorry, sorry, bro. Like, I know you're having your party tonight, but I'm fasting. Like you had all this plan, you had all this food, and then, like, your wife or your husband comes to you that's to me, and they're like, Oh, sorry, you know, I only spent $20,000 preparing this wedding, but you can't eat anything because you're fasting. And what Jesus is telling the Pharisees and what he's responding is that if you understood the time that you're living in, he said, you would actually respond to my presence by having joy and feasting upon me. In Jewish culture, it's, it's different than maybe some of our cultures, but in Jewish culture, whenever there is a wedding, you wouldn't go away to a honeymoon. You would actually invite like everybody over to your house and you'd have this week-long celebration. Uh, some of you guys are like, <laughs> who, wants, who, wants, who wants some, uh, who wants some uh, extra guests on their honeymoon, huh? But it was during this time, you guys, that the, the rabbis actually made this law, and they said that if you had, hold on, it was during this time that the rabbis made this law. And they said this, during this week-long celebration, if you were invited to the wedding, any religious observance, any commitment that you had was void. The reason why? Because they said they wanted you to have the most joy that you could have at the celebration. Wow, like Jesus is telling them, if you understood who I am and that I'm here, you would remove any obstacle out of your life that keeps you from having the most joy in me. And I was convicted by this because what Jesus is saying is that his disciples, we should be marked by joy. Like what are those obstacles in your life that keep you from having joy in Jesus? Are we a church that fights for joy in God? Not in all the other stuff, but in Jesus, like in who He is and in His presence and in His, in His person. Well, then Jesus goes on and he says this. Listen, 
As long as I'm with them, they're not going to fast. But a time will come when the groom will be taken away and they'll fast on that day. When you see Jesus say that he's going to be taken away, what that's referring to is the cross, when Jesus is going to be crucified for us. And the sad thing about the Pharisees is when you watch them, they fasted while Jesus was with them, they feasted when he was crucified. They they were sorrowful that Jesus was here because he, he just basically put on display their sin and their pride and they rejoiced in the day that he was crucified. And yet Jesus dies for them too. So Jesus says, listen, there will be a time when they fast. And so you and I, we are still called to fast. And we don't have a ton of time to go into what does it mean to actually fast in the Bible. But really quick, I think apart from fasting, God has called us to this lifestyle where we can feast on the gospel, feast on his grace, but also that we are called to fast. And so when Jesus says, listen, there's going to be time when they're going to fast, what he's saying is that after I'm taken away and put on the cross, there will be a place where you and I respond in sorrow. And so now, guys, you and I, as disciples of Jesus, I just wonder, like, what is the last time you and I fasted because we were broken over our sin and broken over our community's sin or our nation's sin and what we see? You see, what these guys were doing is they were, it was like they were taking this, this false Christianity and slapping it on their lives without a true heart change. And listen, when we talk about fasting, Jesus his rebuke here, but also what he says later, he never envisioned a practice that would not result in fruit of the Spirit. But a lot of times when we fast as Christians, it's because we think we need to fast in order to get something from God. But I just, I think that's really fruitless fasting. We have everything in Christ. We don't use fasting as a way to manipulate God to give us something. The biblical fasting is a place where we feel sorrowful and repentant over our sin, over what we see out there, and we're asking and expecting God to do something. I don't know how many of you guys enjoy fasting. I do not. 
personally enjoy fasting. If that's your spiritual gift, God bless you. And, and a lot of times, sometimes I fast because I'm like, well, I really want God to do something for me, and I'll begin to fast, and my wife will come and she'll say, you know what? Maybe on the days you're fasting, you should take some kind of personal time to yourself. And I'm saying that Jesus did not have that in mind. He did not have in mind this little pretentious kind of outward act that was not rooted in this heart motivated to see God do something in sorrow over my sin. And like we said earlier, religion says, I do these things for you, God, therefore you owe me something. And Jesus is saying the gospel is so different. But prayer and fasting is something that we believe in. And so real quick, here's, a, here's just a short example of the power of prayer and fasting. In South Korea, back in, uh, it says, in 1884, the first church was planted in South Korea. A hundred years later, there are more than 30,000 churches. A hundred years later, there are years later, That's more than 300 new churches every year for a hundred years. That's unbelievable. And one of the things that they primarily uh, prioritized was fasting and prayer. And it wasn't fasting and prayer that said, because we do these things, God, you owe us this. It was, man, God, we surrender because we want to see you do something radical in this nation. Alright, so just as we move on, guys, what Jesus is saying about this is listen, the way that their devotion looks to God, the gospel is fundamentally different. He goes on and he says, No one sews a patch, this is verse 21, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new patch pulls away from the old cloth, and a worse tear is made. And he goes on. He says, "No one puts new wine skin, new wine, and an old wine skin." All right. So Jesus is going to use these two examples or parables to describe the same thing. And what he wants to tell to you, to me, to these people is. Your old way of relating to God is dying and obsolete, and it is not what God is doing now in and through me. When Jesus says here, he says that there's this unshrunk cloth on an old garment, and if you put a new patch, it tears away. Verse 21. 
what what theologians believe that Jesus is talking about there is he's saying in both of these cases the old wineskin and the old garment is the old covenant like the law. But as you look at what Jesus says, I, I think it's really interesting because in verse 21, he says that if you try to just patch on this new covenant or this new cloth on this old garment, this rip is going to be made. Like there, there, there's just not a way that the gospel is going to fit into this existing legal system that was prevalent. The, the gospel doesn't fit into the uh, old, old way of doing things. And yet in verse 21, it seems like Jesus says that there was a place for the old covenant. There's a place for the law. But, but what he's saying is when you try to just take the gospel and patch it on to something else, it's not going to work and there's going to be a tear. Jesus is not just trying to fit into your life. Like when you and I just we have these all these other beliefs and maybe we worship all these other gods and we just say, well, Jesus, can't you just be one of those gods? And, and one of those beliefs, Jesus says that there's going to be a detriment. There's, there's going to be something painful that happens to you. And what the scary thing about religion, what Jesus was referring to here, is religion promises something that it can never deliver you. And then because of that, it's like you and I, we begin to pretend like we're really Christians because we think that we look like Christians. And then we begin to think that God really accepts us because of those works. But Jesus said, I'm not trying to just be one of you your gods or one of the ways that you relate to, to God. I am the only way to God the Father. I mean, could you imagine if, you know, when I asked Allison to marry me, if she responded by saying yes? And then she said, you know, but Instead of me like coming to live with you and me like changing my name, could you actually move in with me? And you know, you can just kind of like fit in with my family. You could be like my brother, you know, live with my parents and all this kind of stuff. That's a definite no. I, like, I don't want some of my wife. I want all of who she is. I want her to be mine. You 
And Jesus doesn't just want to be a part of your life. He wants your whole life. So we can't just do this patchwork Christianity where we patch Jesus on to the rest of our life. It comes through surrender and saying, Jesus, you are my life. He goes on in verse 22, he says, No one puts new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins and the wine is lost. So if you if you understand anything about wine, which I don't understand a lot, apparently whenever you put wine into a skin through the fermentation processes, it expands. And so what Jesus is saying is, listen, you can't take what I am about. You can't take what God is doing through me and just kind of put it into anything else that exists, any worldview, any philosophy, any religion. It is all together different. When, when Jesus refers to the wine, He's referring to the new covenant that he's giving us through his blood. And so here's, here's, here's where it gets just real. Jesus is saying two things to you and to me. That if you and I want to be a part of his new covenant, if you and I want joy, if we want new wine to flow into our hearts, it comes through a death. In both ways, he says that these old ways that you relate to God, these old ways that, that you were trying to make yourself acceptable to God, he said those things have to die and you have to be made new in order to receive this new wine of the gospel. And the Spirit of God is just saying, listen, it's about surrender. It's not about trying harder. It's about surrendering. So Jesus tells us, he says, listen, this old wineskin, this old law, this old heart that you and I have, it's just got to go away. It's got to die. You've got to be given a new one. In Hebrews 8, 13, just so you guys can have a little bit of a context for the Bible, it says this, by saying a new covenant, he has declared that the first covenant is obsolete, and what is obsolete and growing old is about to pass away. Alright, so, but this is the problem. When Jesus says that these old wineskins and this old garment's got to pass away and it's got to die. That you and I, we don't like to admit that we're old wineskins, do we? Like, we like to think that, you know, we're pretty good looking wineskins or we're in good shape or, you know, we're pretty good people. 
And so sometimes we think that what Jesus is saying is that you know what? It's actually an old wineskin has to try really hard, and then you're going to become a new wineskin. 可是呢，耶稣是说，好，你知道吗？这个旧皮囊呢，要非常的努力才能够成为一个新的皮囊。That's not what Jesus is saying. 耶稣不是这么说的。You know, when I was in when I was in high school, what I used to do is every day after we had practice, my my basketball jersey and my practice uniform, it would it would be it would be rank. I mean, it would stink really bad. 那每一次在高中呢，我们就是练完这个这个篮球的时候呢，我的这个球衣都很臭。And instead of actually taking this is just confession time, but instead of taking it home and washing it, I would take that body spray called Axe. I will never use Axe again to this day. But I. 我呢，很臭的衣服，我也不会把它拿出来洗，很简单，我就芳香剂，把它喷一喷。Yeah, exactly. I would spray it all over the jersey. Forget washing it. I'm gonna put it on the next day. And I did this like the whole basketball season. 干嘛洗啊？我的整个这个球季啊，从来没洗过我的球衣。Thank God for my wife. But that's that. But that's what we do, you guys. When we when we try to say that actually we can make ourselves acceptable before God, that's not that's not what we can do. It's the same thing as spraying this axe on this stinky, dirty clothes. They gotta be washed. 其实呢，真的不是我们能够做什么，也不是拿什么东西喷一喷啊啊，这样子最重要是一定要洗净。And they gotta be made new. And you know what? If the gospel simply said to you and me, you know what? Give up your life, surrender to Jesus, take up your cross and follow Him. If that's all the gospel said, you and I would be in trouble. But Jesus says those things. He says, "Hey, listen. You know what? Take up your cross and follow me. Give your life for the sake of the gospel." Jesus is 这样说的。你必须要背起十字架来跟随我。But if that's what the gospel was, we would be doomed. 可是如果这个只是呃这个圣经所说的福音的话，我们真的死定了。Because the gospel actually says something else. The gospel says someone else gave up their life. Someone else surrendered what they had. Someone else their blood poured on the cross so that we might have new life. 福音怎么说呢？福音说是别人来代替你放掉这个生命，代替你死去，代替你跟随，所以你跟我才会有新的生命。But this is the gospel. It's not about old wineskins trying to be new wineskins. It's you and I surrendering to Jesus and receiving the new birth of the gospel, being made new through Jesus's word. 福音不是说如何让你这个旧皮囊变成新皮囊哈，而是。Yeah, just a couple more minutes will be done. But there's this there's this really really、uh, frightening passage in the Gospel of Matthew. 在马太福音呢，其实有一段这个蛮令人害怕的这个经文哈。And, he, and, and what Jesus says is at the end of all days, people are going to stand before me. 那耶稣说呢，在末世的时候呢，所有的人众人都要站在他的前面。And you know what? They're going to stand before me, and I'm going to ask them, why should you inherit the kingdom, or why should you be allowed in? 在我面前说，我要问他们，为什么我要让你来承受这个国呢 ？And these people are going to say to me. 那这些人要这样回答我。Because we did these certain things, like 
Didn't I prophesy in your name, Jesus? Didn't I see miracles done in your name, Jesus? Jesus says, you guys know the passage. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. Unless you die, surrender to Jesus, and receive the new birth of the gospel, Jesus says, I don't know you. And one of the one of the most precious people that I know on this earth um, is a guy that lives in Texas. Besides, obviously, besides my wife and my kids, but. And if you met this man, like he exhibits the life of Christ, the love of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. And he tells the stories that man, he grew up in a very Christian home. And at the time he was 30, he was on the church board, the elder board, he was teaching Sunday school. He was a complete unbeliever. He was fooled into thinking that he actually was born again because he had done all the right things since he had been born. And it wasn't until he could admit, like we saw today, that he's this old wineskin being in need of being made new, that he actually received the gospel. Amen. When that day that happened at 30 years old, it transformed this guy's life. And that's actually the guy that I'm talking about is actually Allison's grandpa. I respect him probably more than any other man I've ever met. I respect him more than any other man. You'll never, you'll never see him write a book, you'll never see him probably preach a sermon, but he and his wife live lives that are devoted to Christ. And it came at a moment when he recognized he needed to repent and believe in the good news of the gospel. And so guys, here, here we are. As Jesus is asking us again, is where are you and I relating to him out of this old wineskin type of mentality that says, because I do these things for you, you owe me. Jesus is asking you and me again, he said, do, do you know me? Like, do you know me? Do, I, do you know me? And you know, I don't know if, if there's this place in your life this afternoon where you feel like you, you lack joy or you lack even just love for Jesus, but it could be because you're in this place where you, you haven't surrendered to him. But the beautiful news of the gospel here in the story is number one is that Jesus is the new garment, which means that he covers us and he clothes us with his righteousness. 
节经文讲到说呢，神他就是一个这个心的这块布，他完完全全的用他的公义遮盖我们。Which means this: your shame, your sin, your mistakes—they don't define you anymore. But the righteousness of Christ that has covered you. 你的忧伤，你的羞耻，都已经完全被他的公义来遮盖了。No、第二个重点就是呢，他让我们得以被新造，得以被新的身份定义在耶稣基督里。And so, guys, yeah, as a church, we want to. We just want to be clear that this is what Jesus is calling us to. He's not calling us just to fit him into our life, but he's calling for us to surrender completely to him. 那耶稣他呼召我们这个教会，不是只是让我们呢找一个地方让他进来而已，而是他要完完全全使我们向他降服。Alright, let's stand. 我们一起站起来。And、let's respond. In just a minute,、uh, Ron is going to come and lead us in communion. So, if this is your first time here,、uh, we take communion every Sunday. He's going to explain that. 等一下 ，Ronnie 也会带领我们这个呃领圣餐哈。如果你是第一次领圣餐的时候的话呢 ，Ronnie 等下会解释。Yeah, but I just want to encourage all of us this afternoon is that、uh, you know the reality is is that I am a very very great sinner. 那我只是要让大家知道哈，我是一个非常大的罪人。But I don't stand here because I am smarter than you, I'm more intellect than you, I'm holier than you. 我站在这里讲道，并不是因为我比较聪明或比较圣洁。I stand here because Jesus is a greater savior. 我站在这里是因为耶稣是我们最大的拯救者。That he can do anything. 他能够做成任何事。他能够拯救每一个人。And so, if you're here this afternoon, you've never responded to Christ. Maybe you've lived your life thinking you had, but you've never had this moment where you said, "Wow, God, everything I have is yours. I surrender my heart to you." 我不知道你们呢，是不是觉得自己呢已经向神降服了哈？如果说没有，今天真的是一个机会来跟神说，神啊，我完全的降服于你。And would this be the day that you experience that joy of the bridegroom coming? You becoming his bride through the gospel. 让今让今天成为那样子的一个呃迎接新郎这样子的一个喜乐的日子。Maybe you're here, you you just you know there's this place that the Holy Spirit is pressing on your heart, but you're refusing to kind of give that to Him. 如果你觉得今天圣灵一直在引导你，可是你有点拒绝。Yeah, just surrender that to Him. You know why? 你知道为什么去降服他，所以就向他降服吧。And then finally, if you're hurting this afternoon, just just know that Jesus is near. 如果说今天你感到受伤，啊，你要真的是有得到安慰，耶稣进了。他真的期待跟你建立亲密的关系。